Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So, buddy, thanks for joining me today. I'm glad you didn't fall asleep. How are you doing? Yeah, it's a it's a little earlier in the night as we're recording this than it was the last time you recorded. Yeah, I definitely, I will not lie, I definitely fell asleep for that podcast um i am an old man as you mentioned on the podcast so you know i'm feeling much better now i can record this and i can still get to bed at a decent time but overall i i've had a pretty good weekend uh my parents came over yesterday to help me with a little project that i'm working on at my house um and that is nearing completion so that's exciting um other than that it's been a solid solid weekend and and pretty relaxing on top of it outside of working on that project for a few hours on saturday and once that's been done it's been a very nice and relaxing weekend for me and i'm drinking a spotted cow right now so everything's good here wow life is good for you and my life was it was just weird this weekend i was supposed to go fishing and then it rained and they had like eight foot waves on lake michigan so didn't do any of that this weekend about to record with you and found out the cats chewed through my microphone, so if I sound all distorted on this podcast, that would be why. And it's thunderstorming out, so we might get some rumbles thunder in the background, so <laughs> a lot different than what you had, but that's that's all right. The Brewers, on the other hand, eh, they kind of had a weekend like me. It was down and then a little up at the end, so Brewers lose two out of three. They lose game one, eight to three. That was a game in which Eric Lauer gave up all six of his earned runs in the second inning. And then Trevor Bauer went on to just dominate Brewer batters, striking out 12 of them through six innings. The Brewers would strike out a total of 16 times in game one. And the Brewers got all of their runs via the home run, a solo shot from Lomo, and then a two-run homer from Christian Yelich. Game two was a 4-1 to loss. Brett Anderson gave up three runs in the first inning. Then they brought in Corbin Burns and... He pitched the rest of the game. He was incredible. What can I say? But unfortunately, the disappointing Brewers offense was unable to get anything going, and the only production they got was from a Brock Holt sack fly. So I guess one positive from Game 2, they only struck out 11 times, so a little bit of an improvement there. (laughs) And lastly, Game 3, you're thinking, all right, Brandon Woodruff's on the mound, for sure win. And it was, but the Reds got to him. In terms of racking up his pitch counts, he only goes four innings. And the Brewers put together a six-run sixth inning on their way to a 9-3 victory. So what were your thoughts on this series, Trevor? Uh, You know, overall, this has been probably the first series I got to watch the most of the games. The 8-3 loss, I watched it for the majority of the game. Um, And then I got to a certain point and I got frustrated and turned it off. Game two, again, I watched most of the game. Game three, I watched the whole thing. And I have not been able to do that. So for me, it was very, very nice to be able to see the Brewers as much as I did this weekend. and And I'm very happy by that. But, you know, those first two games were very frustrating. The offense 
has has been struggling immensely, and those two games were very tough to watch. You mentioned the strikeouts. The fact that the Brewers struck out 27 times in two games, that's 50% right there that they struck out in the first two games. So that that is definitely frustrating. And I mean, outside of Eric Lauer's second inning in game one, it was a good game. Other than If you took that away from there, that's a 2-3 win. Um, now, not everything's going to be equal in that case, but you, you take away the big inning, and just like in the first inning with Brett Anderson, you take away the big inning. The Brewers are right there. They just need some offense to help propel them a little bit more and not those mistakes not be quite as big. Um, and then you saw it in Game 3. The offense comes alive. You know, Woody, Woody was Woody, but he wasn't ace-level Woody. It wasn't great stuff from him. He kind of struggled. Like you said, he only got through four innings. Um, he, he only allowed two runs, but it wasn't like he gave up six. But he was struggling, and the offense came through um, a little later in the game than maybe you would like to see. But in the sixth inning, they put up six runs. And then to back that in the seventh, you know, Keston and Christian Yelich hit back-to-back home runs, and Yelich's was an absolute bomb. That was that was great to see. And it, if anything, not that Christian Yelich needs confidence, but this has got to be a little bit confidence booster. And for the whole team, really, the offense started clicking a little bit. If the Brewers continue to pitch how they have for the most part, and this offense starts to click more and more here, I think we're going to start feeling a little bit more comfortable with this short 60-game season. Yeah, you mentioned the pitching. It, it had been really great up until this point. And obviously, Lauer, that's kind of a – his six earned runs is kind of a, a castaway. You'd be like, okay, that's not going to happen all the time. But then Brett Anderson giving up three in the first. And heck, even Woody gave up one run in the first in the finale. So when you have a struggling offense, those are those are hard to overcome, especially with what we've been doing so far. And you mentioned the strikeouts. Power to face first-year Brewer Justin Smoke. And that's strike three called a 94-mile-per-hour fastball with a lot of movement. Gamble getting the start. And Gamble is gone swinging. Five strikeouts already for Bauer. All five outs recorded have come via the punch-out. Barrez settling in, and the payoff pitch got him swinging. Six outs recorded by Bauer, all six on strikeouts. Wrap it up, Lucas Sim, 2-2. And this one belongs to the Reds. Reds pitching fans, 16 Brewers. Brought him out swinging a fastball at 96 miles per hour. Back to that case for Di Scafani. There's another strikeout, swing and a miss, a pitch in the dirt. Hamill down on strikes. Casale tosses the first to tie up the loose ends. Strike three called. Top of the zone, the fastball from Di Scafani. And down on strikes, Narvaez and Anthony Di Scafani strikes out the side in the second. 36 out of 78 outs came via the strikeout for the Brewers this weekend. That's 46%. You said through two games they're at 50. So that's just absolutely terrible. And I'm kind of curious to what your thoughts are in terms of, is it just strictly the strikeouts why this offense is struggling? Or are there other factors that go with it? I mean, what's kind of what kind of catches your eye to what the Brewers need to improve upon offensively as a team? You heard it during the broadcast. On multiple occasions, it, it might have been every game this series that 
BA and Rock were saying that Craig Council was not expecting this team would be a high strikeout team. You know, he expected them to be able to put the ball in play and not strike out a ton. And it's just not been the case. So if that's the case, you put guys together that aren't high strikeout guys for the most part. You expect to get bat on the ball and be able to get the ball in play. It, it has to be either a mental or an approach thing. Something is going on that these guys typically don't do this. They're either pressing because of a 60-game season and it's all kind of a mental thing or their approach needs to change slightly, whether that be attack early in the count a little bit more. I've always been a big fan of that from the times when I've been when I played baseball years ago, like I know I'd never played at the major league level, but literally anytime you got a strike on first pitch, it always seemed to be the best pitch you saw in the at bat and I like that jumping on the first pitch. Now, if you go through the first two innings and everyone's jumping on the first pitch and the pitcher has like 10 pitches through two innings, then you can change your kind of strategy at that point. But at some point, I feel like you need to be a little bit more aggressive and really start getting into a point where pitchers have to start painting the corners a little bit more because you're so aggressive and then that gets them behind in the count. And then you have your pick to work with. You know, they're down 2-0, 3-0, and then they have to throw it down the middle for you and you can try to avoid that strikeouts. I just think there's got to be somewhat of an approach change a little bit because it's throughout the lineup that everyone's striking out. It's not just one or two players. And then the other possibility I think could be a mental thing that everyone's pressing a little bit, especially with how much Christian Yelich has been struggling. It's just been putting a little bit more pressure on the players. So I feel like it could be one or both of those things that is kind of contributing to this. But I think over time, it'll level itself out. The first pitch aspect is really interesting. I thought the Brewers started swinging a little bit more like towards the fourth, fifth inning on the first pitches like in against the Sonny Gray start, the finale on Sunday. And, and it was starting to work. I mean, that, that's what you have to do against really good pitchers. Like last year, the Brewers were super high strikeout team. And as you said, they're not built to be that way this year. But that's just kind of how it's shaping out to be right now. And if you're going to strike out a lot, you still got to be productive in other categories. And the Brewers are not. If you take a look at like superficial team stats, the Brewers entering play on Sunday as we're recording this were fifth last in the MLB in team batting average. 19th in on-base percentage third last in slugging percentage, and fifth last in OPS. So obviously the slugging and OPS kind of stand out to you just how terrible this offense has been. Like, Even if you strike out a lot, if you're not slugging the ball, then you're not going to score runs. Which brings me to my next point. The Brewers are sixth, sixth worst in runs production per game at 3.60. So all of those just spell trouble for an offense. And I'm going to steal some more offensive stats from Jack Stern on on Twitter here. He's been on the podcast a couple times, but he looked at some advanced stats, and the Brewers are 25th in barrel rate, 27th in average exit velocity, and 27th in strikeout percentage, and then last in hard hit rate. So just overall, yeah, like you said, mental, pressing, I think all of those kind of are contributing factors to what's going on here. 
is swinging at the first pitch, could it help? I, I think it might. I mean, it's definitely, you got to change something up. Somewhere along the way, someone has to make an adjustment, and it's better to make it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with you. I think at some point, something's got to change, right, with these strikeouts, and hopefully it happens soon. I think if the Brewers start striking out less, they get the ball and play a little bit more, I think that's going to continue to allow them to start getting more runs consistently because we have not seen that yet. Yes, it was a great thing to see in Game 3. As a fan, it just made me feel so much better after watching Game 3 that the offense started to clicking a little bit, you know, all those things. But I think if the strikeout numbers go down, we get the ball and play a little bit more often, I think that's going to do nothing but help this offense and it's got to be something that the Brewers are looking at to improve sooner rather than later like you said. Speaking of improvements the Brewers are still kind of swinging out this like piggyback pitch or starting pitcher rotation so like earlier this series they had Brett Anderson start followed by Corbin Burns which I believe is the second time this year that they've rolled out that combination and Burns has been very effective in this role. The I think the unfortunate part is the guy before him isn't doing as well. So as big of a Corbin Burns fan as you are, do you like him in this like the starter role where he comes in third, fourth inning, or do you rather see him start from the first inning? You know, as one of the diehard Corbin Burns fans out there on Brewers Twitter, I would say I would love to see him start. I think that would be awesome. I think from my eyes... He is pitching better than Brett Anderson or Eric Lauer at this point. So why not Corbin Burns? He's got more potential than those guys. You know, you look at his stats for this year. In his only start of the year, he was only able to go three and a third. That was the second game of the year. So they were pretty limited on pitch count and things like that. He was able to throw 75 pitches, gave up an earned run, did have three walks, six strikeouts in that game. Next outing, three and two-thirds, gave up three hits, two earned runs, two walks, five strikeouts there. I believe that was a two-run home run that did him in there um, against the White Sox. And then on the eighth against the Reds, that was just incredible, incredible performance by Corbin Burns. He pitched five and a third, so there was only two pitchers, and he did not start. So that does kind of incredible. Five and a third, 77 pitches. His pitch count was great. I think he did a really good job. Um, eight strikeouts, three walks. He did allow a hit in an earned run, and that one hit is what caused him that earned run. And if he doesn't walk as many batters as he has been doing this year, which I think is my biggest concern with Corbin Burns this year, that wouldn't have been a run, but overall he pitched absolutely fantastic in that game. And his stuff is electric. You know, it's not just sitting there spinning and not breaking. It is everything is working extremely well. I still can't get over his movement on his fastball. That's 96 miles an hour. It's just incredible. And I did want to compare this a little bit to his kind of 2018 numbers. So... I think I can make the argument outside of walks that Corbin Burns is pitching better in 2020 than he was in 2018. So, like I said, the only thing that he's doing worse is 
walking and walks per nine. I know it's a small sample size, but walks per nine in 2018 were 2.6. Right now in 2020, they are 5.8. So that is a pretty terrible jump. Um, And I believe that's what's causing a lot of his earned runs. But other than that, if you look at the numbers, his field independent pitching or FIP in 2018, 3.79, 2019, 3.37. This is according to baseball reference. His ERA is about the same, a little bit more here in 2020, but his strikeouts are significantly better. It was 8.3 in 2018, 13.9 right now. I just, I feel like he's pitching better if he was, if he were to limit the walks. He limits the walks and he gets down closer to even what he was in 2019 at 3.7, which is still higher, but a little bit more of a respectable number. He gets down to that number with the stuff that he is showing. He limits those walks. I think he's going to be back to 2018 Corbin Burns. And to me, I would love to see him start, but wherever we're getting effective Corbin Burns, whether it be basically the de facto starter, but he gets an opener every fifth day, I'm okay with that. I'd love to see him in the starting rotation because I think he deserves it. But whatever role we get of Corbin Burns, he is good this year and it is awesome to watch. And as long as I get Corbin Burns, I don't really care his role that much (laughs) that's fair good point good Corbin Burns over no Corbin Burns I'll take that but I'm glad you brought up the walks that's interesting part that you mentioned and I don't know there's part of it because his stuff is literally dancing around a lot more like you know it's hard to control and he has a large range and large repertoire of pitches that he has to work through and he's trusting in more of those breaking pitches and those cutters and sliders this year than he did last year when it was all fastballs right down the middle so I think maybe you know the mix and change in pitches you're not going to have perfect command but that's better than giving up home run after home run like it seemed like he did last year so yeah I think limiting the walks will help him be more efficient but I think I'm actually okay with it right now I completely understand what you mean and I think just over time throwing more pitches and being more confident in pitches those pitches are gonna start to you're gonna start to nail them down you're gonna be more effective more efficient with those pitches and they're not gonna be quite as wild he's gonna have more control as he continues to throw them so I feel like just slowly throughout the year, we're going to start seeing those walk numbers go down. And when we do, trust me, you're going to think it's 2018 Corbin Burns because I'm telling you, that's what it looks like outside of that walk issue. But his stuff is so electric. To me, it really doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, that's fair. Hitters are going to swing at this kind of stuff because it it breaks so late. It's, It's awesome to see him utilize that spin rate this year. So very good stuff out of Corbin Burns. So I hope I didn't hope we didn't talk too much about your potential series MVP. So let's transition into the MVP and duds. Who do you got first? Is it Corbin Burns or someone else? Who else can I really say? <laughs> the starters didn't impress that much. The bullpen was fine. But there was no like spectacular performances in the bullpen outside of Corbin Burns. Offensively, yeah, it was great in Game 3, but there was a whole lot of zero production in Games 1 and 2. So I think I have to go Corbin Burns. I mean, he was the most electric. He got me so excited on 
what was that, Saturday night? I don't even know if you were watching the game, Tyler, but I feel like I was blowing up your phone um, between that and the Bucks. Corbin Burns was absolutely electric, and it was great to see him pitch and pitch an extending outing, and it just feels like I'm ready to see more of it. I'm ready to see him every fifth day, and hopefully in the starting rotation, but again, if it's Brett Anderson for three and we get Corbin for six, I'd be okay with that too. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree in terms of series MVP. I'm going with Burns too because for the same reasons you mentioned, I mean, other like honorable mentions for me, I'd maybe look at some of the bullpen guys like Justin Grimm came in after Eric Lauer gave up six earned runs, pitched two innings, struck out three, gave up zero. So that was good to see him have a good outing for once. Eric Yardley continues to look good. I don't think he's allowed an earned run all year in like six appearances or something like that. And then even Brett Suter today in today's finale, he came in, Brewers were down two to one and there was runners on the corners and he goes two strong innings, gives up three hits. Sure. But no earned runs on his part really kept the, kept the Brewers in it when, you know, before they exploded in the sixth sixth inning. So bullpen pitchers, they get all my honorable mentions for sure. In terms of a serious dud, who do you got? Uh, there's a lot to choose from in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Eric Lauer, but now looking at the box scores a little bit more, I think Avi Garcia and Omar Nervias have to be up there for me. I'm going to give them co-MVPs, or duds, I mean, because between the two of them, they had 10 strikeouts, so that definitely doesn't help our strikeout issue, right? And, you know, they they had 15 at-bats between the two of them, and they had 10 strikeouts. Like, that is terrible. They had one hit. Omar Nervais was one of seven. Garcia, O of eight. So, yeah, I, I'm going to give them our first co-dud um, mentions here. <laughs> well, I'll add to Nervais then, because I'm going to give him my dud. Because he mentioned the strikeouts, and then after the Eric Lauer outing, he mentioned in a press conference that he felt he was way too cutter heavy in his start, and you know that's an impact on Narvaez calling the game, right? Like you got two new guys on this club, you got to get to know each other, get to know how you want to mix your pitches up. You got to communicate. Like you can't talk about these things after you give up six earned runs, or well you can, but it's too late. You should be talking about these things beforehand and. What's your plan going in to attack these hitters? And it just appeared that they did not have one. At least that's kind of what was implied. So given Narvaez's offensive struggles and lack of communicating with pitcher Eric Lauer, he gets my dud for sure. Yeah, and I definitely Lauer is in this for honorable mention for me because, yeah, your catcher can call a bad game, but you also still need to make the pitches and be effective in that that's literally your job so he is definitely getting honorable mention here in the Doug category I do want to mention and maybe we're going to talk about it here shortly but I do want to mention Christian Yelich I feel like we're starting to see a little bit more of the Christian Yelich we have known and loved the last two years you know not great stat line it's not fully back up to Christian Yelich that we're used to. Three for 11, three strikeouts. He did have the two home runs, five RBIs, two walks, and he did have that triple in today's game. And I think I said it to you, either that or I said it to my girlfriend, Tyler. Um, as soon as I saw that triple, I'm like, this is the thing that's getting him back. I thought it was that lucky inside the Parker at first, but it didn't really happen. I think this is the thing 
that is going to be bringing Christian Yelich back to us and the Christian Yelich we are used to seeing. So I think he might deserve a little bit of honorable mention in the MVP category because I starting to see it. I'm starting to see him be a little bit more comfortable at the plate. And I, I think that's going to mean a lot more MVPs from us for Christian Yelich. Gosh, I sure hope so. And if he keeps destroying baseballs off the Miller light sign in the, or by the scoreboard there. It wasn't that <laughs> wild. That was crazy. He got every stitch of that ball. My goodness. Oh, so yeah, hopefully hopefully he gets dialed in because we were going to have a whole ranting podcast about it despite how much I didn't want to. So now he's starting to show signs of life. I will take that any day. So let's move on here. We got the Twins coming up here. And at first I was like, oh, God. We got to face the Twins. We're totally screwed. Like they started the year off 10 and 2. They were just racking up wins, but they've now lost their four games in a row. And the last three were against the Royals. Yes, you heard me right. The Kansas City Royals swept the Twins. So they are in a funk. So maybe it's a good time that we're going to be seeing them. So for this series, we're going to see Hauser versus Dabnik, Lindblom versus. Somebody from the Twins who has not been announced yet, and then Lauer versus Mayeda. So, what are you looking for in this twin series? Because when we previewed them, we were pretty scared of this Twins offense as as the season was getting started. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the big thing is going to be limiting them home those home runs. Right, they're third in the MLB this year at 25 already. So, limiting home runs, you know, between Hauser, Lindblom. And Lauer, you got to keep the ball down. You got to keep the ball in the ballpark, I think, is going to be the big thing. And obviously, that extends to the bullpen as well. But I think just for me, it's watching the starting pitchers and how do they handle this amazing Twins lineup. Because, you know, if they get to Hauser and Limbloom early, we kind of need Lauer to make a big start and extend us. We can't just expect our bullpen to be able to pull us through. Our, our starters need to have some good outings and keep the ball in the ballpark. That is the main thing that I'm going to be watching outside of hopefully starting to see that MVP Christian Yelich come out again. Yeah, it's going to be a really good test for Hauser, who's had, what, two really good starts now to start the year. So I'm excited to see how he matches up against the Bomba squad. And then Lindblom, I'm not going to lie, I'm really nervous about. Like, I know he struck out seven in his last outing and got his first win in seven years and all that good holly jolly stuff, but he throw. I mean, he has like six pitches too, but he left a lot of breaking balls hanging, and this Minnesota Twins team will make you pay for that. They're, <laughs> they'll punish those balls over the walls for home runs, and Lindblom will get chased out early. So I'm a little nervous for a start, so we'll see how he does in that regard. But the only real big win before the season even starts, or the series even starts, is that Josh Donaldson is on the injured list. So at least we avoid that bat. But otherwise, up and down, one through nine, you don't want to face any of those guys. They household names and they rack up homers like you said 25 this year max kepler is five nelson cruz has four and then buxton rosario and sano are all tied at three right now so like i said it's a deep offensive lineup so hopefully the brewers can come ahead with a series win anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here at all i feel like adrian hauser is a guy that really would be huge to win that first game and have a good outing from him. Like you said, he's had two good outings so far this year. His ERA is 0.75. 
Now that is not going to continue. Um, his field independent pitching is 4.05. And that's pretty close to where he had been in 2018-2019. He was at 3.75 and 3.88. So a little bit higher, but kind of around where he has been. Um, so that .75 is not going to continue. But he has been pitching solid and... We want to see that continue. We need a win in that first game, I think, because, as you said, Lindblom kind of scares me a little bit against this offensive lineup, and so does Eric Lauer. Um, So we really got to kind of figure out that first game and get a win there, and hopefully between Lindblom and Lauer we can get another one. Two here would be huge, especially after losing two to the Reds. Taking two from the Twins would be absolutely huge, and that would be awesome to see. And hopefully when we talk to you guys next, that will be the case. Or, hey, let's take a sweep from the Twins. Let's continue their slide. Hey, all right. I like it. You got more optimism than me today. That doesn't happen very often. So Trevor Bender, the new optimistic Brewer fan. I'll take it any day. So we will hopefully be (laughs) recapping a Twins sweep uh, come later this week. But until then, we'll talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Burns.